Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. Today's episode, Fern and I are diving into the topic of burnout. More importantly, how to prevent burnout. Because truth be told, if you coach CrossFit, or probably if you coach anything long enough before CrossFit, I was a personal trainer for decades. I coached high school wrestling. I coached a few other teams. And no matter what, when you're dealing with other human beings, there's going to be some level of burnout. And what we're going to discuss is how to handle that, how to prevent it, what to do if you're feeling it. But but here's what we want you to take from it before you even listen. It's okay. It's normal. I think that was important. I think Fern says it later on in the episode. But it's important to hear. Sometimes we're going through shit and we're just like, we're the only person on this planet dealing with this when that's hardly ever the case. I've been burned out. Is it burned out or burnt out? I'm unsure. But I've I've had that feeling. Fern talks about how he has. I know from other coaches they have. And we're not talking just your run-of-the-mill CrossFit coach. Like the best of the best get burned out. And it's okay. It's normal. But we're going to talk about it. We've got some other big news. So what we're going to try to do going forward is answer at least one of your questions at the top of every show. We get, we've been getting bombarded with questions and we absolutely, absolutely love it. But we want to make sure we get back to all of you and not just only record them in full episodes, but, but chip away at some of them. So first of all, if you have questions for us, hit us up on our Instagram at best hour of their day, slide into our DM and we are happy to answer your questions along the way. I also want to tell you that on Friday's episode, we have Kelly Starrett, the mobility guru. We have Kelly Starrett coming on Friday. So that's super exciting. And, and we talk about a lot of things. You know, if you want to hear Kelly Starrett talk about mobility, go ahead. He's out there already. You can find him on YouTube. He's been on Tim Ferriss's podcast. I mean, like one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And we've got Kelly Sturette on ours, but we talk about his journey in CrossFit. We talk about how he was part of the seminar staff back in the day when it was just him, Coach Glassman, Dave Castro, and Nicole Carroll. We, we talk about how to make bread. He's big into making bread these days, so we dive into that. In addition, Fern and I have decided to unleash a little bit of a mentoring program. We're getting hit up by so many of you that we've decided to kind of beta test it. You will be our first people, but we're only going to take five, and I'm pretty sure one of those spots is already taken. So really, there's about four spots left. Again, if you're interested in being one of those beta people, slide into our DMs at best hour of their day. Put right at the top of that message, you know, beta test so I know and I can mark it to, to make sure we don't lose it. But we're only going to take five total. Uh, one is already taken. And really what we're going to do is help you develop your boxes. We've owned six gyms, you know, six affiliates between us. I've owned a yoga studio. We've been to hundreds and hundreds of boxes around the world. We know what works. We certainly know what doesn't work because we've done it all ourselves. We've made the mistakes and we're going to pass that knowledge on to you guys. So hit us up. Let me answer one question before I dive into this podcast. And it comes from Sydney Brook on Instagram. She, she sent me a message. It was, it was a very big question with kind of multiple parts, but I was going to dive into just one aspect, and that is 
when you feel like you're not controlling a class, what should you do? And I had a conversation with my buddy Vince today. We were in a long car ride and we talked about it. Like this is the best hour of your day, of their day. We want it to be fun. And sometimes those 5 p.m., 6 p.m. classes come in like raging lunatics because they sat in a cubicle all day long, you know, staring at a computer amongst people they don't particularly like. And here they are at the box to to move, to get those endorphins kicking in, maybe before they head home to their wife, their their husband, their kids. And, and we want it to be fun for them. But at the same time, you have to make sure everyone in the class is having fun. And there are plenty of people that go to CrossFit classes that really do want to sit there and listen to everything the coach says at the whiteboard. And maybe they don't remember what a thruster is, even though they did it yesterday and they want you to show them and they want to see it. So we have to balance those people that are hard to control. Like we we say CrossFit is like herding cats. Have you seen that meme out there? Uh, go check it out, right? It's like you get one cat in line and the other seven peace out and they're gone. So it's important. And I think you have to speak from a position of authority. You have to be in front of the whiteboard and command and demand that attention. You have to earn it, but you have to show people you're the boss. And I don't like, this is a personal thing. I hate when people do the clap or like the one, two, three eyes on me, like kindergarten stuff. Look, we're not children, we're adults, but there's nothing wrong with saying someone's name. Hey, Marie, I get it. You just came from work. Let's have a blast, but give me five minutes, right? There you go. Hey, Susie. Hey, you know, I, I bust my members' balls, you know, and I say that I'm talking about women, but I have this woman that I love at the box. Her name is Kate. She's so much fun and she's crazy. And Kate knows she's crazy, but I, I truly love her. I care about her and, and I love having her in my class. But I can be like, hey, Kate, stop being crazy for five minutes. And she laughs, she smiles. And, and, and then I'm like, all right, Kate, go back at it. You know, do you, boo, go, go at it. But it's important to maintain some sort of decorum in class for the people that need it, for the people that want it. And also to have that balance of like, let's have fun, but let me just, when I'm talking, give me that respect. So Sydney Brooke, I hope that helped. And I hope I didn't bombard all of you with too much information. We've got our mentoring program coming out. Hit us up with questions. If you're interested, hit us up. Kelly Surrett on Friday's episode. But right now, Fern and I are about to dive into preventing burnout only on best hour of their day. Fern, how many classes would you say you've coached in your CrossFit career? Including total, total including workouts at seminars. Holy crap. Um, I'm going to lowball this, but it, it's, it's over 5,000. You think over 5,000? Well, I mean, there was a good stint there for six months where I coached, uh, this is about two years ago where I coached something to the tune of 80 to a hundred classes a month. Wow. That's, a you know, I, we, we've talked about it before and I've had other guests where we've discussed like, what's a full day of coaching. How many hours would you say? I think I talked to Spieler and Doug about that. Yeah. And I, and I, and I would agree. I, th- I think it was Doug's answer. And I agree with Doug's answer, which was like, it depends. Like it depends on what that, like, how long are you going to sustain that volume? You know, but I've coached, I've coached seven in a day and done 
as well as done an inch like multiple intros in a day where you where you're basically in front of a client or clients for 10-ish hours. Um yeah, I mean, I think I can coach seven, eight hours in a day. A, depending on the workout. If if I had to do that, I would I would have made sure I got a good night's sleep. I would have, you know, prepared my day for those little things to make sure no big fire started out of nowhere, you know, meaning you're just prepared. So all you have to do is focus on those classes. I don't know that I would have want to do that day this, in and day out. Yeah. This is also a little bit more of a practical discussion with regard to if you're going to do this for a profession, like if you're going to do this full time and, and, and anybody is under the delusion that you're only going to coach three classes a day and make a full-time living, like that, that's just maybe if you're the box owner, but not if you're a head coach or GM, maybe a GM, depending on the size and scope of your gym. But for the most part, if you're a head coach, you're probably looking at four to five a day, maybe six. Yeah. With some other responsibilities, be it one-on-one, be it your on-ramps or some things going on at the box. But the, you know, the, the point, the reason I asked you that is because we had some questions about how do you prevent burnout? in the coaching world. And I would, I would guess for you, cause I can tell you for me, I would guess there's been a period of time where you were burnt out. I mean, I feel that way right now, quite frankly, but not from coaching. I feel I'm feeling a little burnt from uh, on the back end of the business. Like I would, I would love nothing more than to coach five hours today, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember coach Glassman at one point did this, um, he would travel around from box to box and he called it like a one-on-one CrossFit one-on-one. This is like 2008, 2009. And I forget the question, but his response was something like, sometimes I just hope for this cataclysmal failure. So all I have to do is coach people again, you know? And, and at the time it was like, really, you would want that. And like now, you know, and then having run the boxes and running businesses, you're like, man, I just want to coach people. It's kind of the, like the closest thing that I could, it's kind of like being a kid. Like when you're a kid, all you want to do is grow up because you think it's so cool to be on the other side. And then when you're a grown up, you're like, oh, I remember the day where like, I didn't have to worry about shit. Like I just had to go outside and play. And I, I would, I would be lying to you if there's days where I didn't yearn for zero responsibility and just to coach a class and get out of there. Like when you do this for long enough, been doing it 10 years many of those days feel like Groundhog's Day, you know, and you have to figure out ways to get out of that slump or ways to spice it up or ways to change things so that they can, you can keep the intrigue and keep the novelty of what it is that you do. Yeah. And on the way home, we worked together this past weekend or, you know, whenever we put this up a couple of weeks ago and I had a call with one of my clients that's a, a box owner, you know, you and I mentor other boxes and, He was talking about burnout and I said to him, you know, one thing we always have to remember is at least we're doing what we love and there's people out there with jobs they actually hate. Agreed. However, I don't know that we can't be naive about that statement. So I agree with you 100%, but we can't be so naive to the point to think that you could take something that you love burn yourself so badly that you no longer hate that thing. This happens with a lot of athletes. Like when they play to a, to a certain level, it happened to me after I finished playing college basketball, I finished playing college basketball. Basketball was my life for the better part of 20 years. Like that's literally all I did. And when I was done with college basketball, 
I was done with basketball for literally years. You know, like my dad's a basketball coach and I had just had enough. You know, I, I was so burnt and the experience had been so rough towards the end of my career that I was good. Like I didn't touch a basketball for probably three or four years after that. Is that the primary reason you didn't go to the NBA? No, that's the, that is the actual reason I didn't go to the NBA. <laughs> Besides, there were some other minor factors like I'm 5'11 and white. You weren't, you and, weren't that good. And mildly athletic and <laughs> just not that good at basketball that I didn't make it to the league. But uh, that was the main factor that I was burned out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I agree with you, but, you know, the, I think most people when they're burned out of coaching, they're, they're tired, they're burned out they're not at the point where they never want to coach a class again. They're just like, I need a, a little bit of a reprieve. So what I want to do in this episode is let's give some advice. What what can we tell people? Cause we've both been there. You know, I asked about you, man, when I sold my first box, Albany CrossFit, part of it was because I had this offer and part of it was like, I just wanted to be out. You know, and then ultimately I opened another affiliate four months later. So it wasn't that I no longer loved coaching. I was just a little burned out by it. And and I think maybe the first piece of advice I would give is kind of analyze why you're burned out. I realize now in retrospect, I wasn't burned out of the coaching or the members. I was burned out of what I was creating in my head as new boxes were opening, as people were going different places. And, and rather than focusing on what I can do to improve the box, it was focusing on all the people around me and what they were doing. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think there's, I don't know that I would give advice off right off the bat. I would do very much what you did, which is I would ask a lot of questions and I don't, I don't know if Chris Cooper is responsible for this. Actually, I'm pretty sure. Cause he's like the rest of us and steals stuff from other people that are smarter than him, but he, he has some exercises either in his book or in their course that basically have you list all the tasks that you do and those, and you can only put those two tasks or you can only put those tasks in two buckets, which is they give me energy and they take energy away. Yeah. I've seen so, that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically an energy audit. And what you have to figure out is more often than not, I, I think some people do lose the passion for coaching, but I think most of us and primarily when I say most of us, I'm talking about me when I get to that point where I'm starting to feel really burnt and really tired, if I do an energy audit, there's like only a handful of things that give me energies left in that bucket. I've been, all of my time has been allocated to the other bucket and things that I'm not really great at that. I don't really love doing and that are big time time sucks. And I spend a lot of my energy there and you know, not shockingly, I get to the point where I'm like, God, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. So, so what are some things from a box on a perspective that give you energy? For me personally, that it's being in front of the client. So a, either just coaching like some of those primetime classes, like a 9am, a 5pm, a 6pm, something like that, where like, you know, a lot of my regular faces in there, there's a lot of banter, there's a lot of energy. And the other one that gives me a ton of energy is just that kind of sit down and bullshit with my members and figure out what's going on within the community. Like those are my two big ticket items that if I could check those two boxes in a day, for the most part, I'm good. And then when I'm generally not good is when neither of those things are happening. Yeah, I think it's similar at a level one. You know, we, we, we travel and we get a little tired of the travel. 
you know, for example, when you were coming into Largo, how long did you sit on the tarmac in in Largo? At least an hour and a half. Right. So, you know, that is not boosting your energy. No. Yeah. But, you, but when we show up Saturday morning, and I would say it probably happens at around 7.30 when we all kind of meet in the lobby, our energy starts to go back. Like, the coaching itself is what boosts us. We're excited for the day. We're excited to be there. So I think that's a really good tool. If, if, if you're listening to this, and I would do it prematurely, personally. Yeah, that and that's a whole nother topic about, because uh, I think we had a question yesterday on the Q&A or whenever we're going to air this. So go back and listen to the Q&A with Donnie Forbes, because I'm pretty sure somebody had a question in there about when to uh, get rid of um, certain functions within the gym. Did they not? Like somebody asked like, hey, when should I, out, when should I like outsource or give away? Yeah, they, they, the question was outside of cleaning, what would you, what would you delegate? Yeah, what would you delegate first? So that's a that's a perfect way to start delegating is do the energy audit. And and as you start to build your business, like the first things that delegate are the energy taking tasks. And that so that's the real easy way to figure out what should I delegate first? All the shit that I hate to do. And and if you're listening to this and you're a coach, but you have a real job, you know, quote unquote real job, you can you can do that as well. I mean, I think a lot of people, and granted, I'm I've never really been out there in the real world, but there's a lot of flexibility at your day-to-day -day job that you might not be aware of. You know, Tim Ferriss talks about it in his four-hour work week of asking if you can work a day from home, asking if you can, you know, leave when your work is done. So things you can certainly be considering. But in the CrossFit world, you know, most of the people listening to this that are either coaches or box owners, there's not a whole lot of in-between. So really, if you're coaching, you have to figure out how many hours you can handle and, and be your best. And if you're a box owner, same thing, how many hours you can coach, but then also what work earns you out. Yeah. And there's different ways to think about that. And I think one of the mistakes that I've tried and failed, and then we'll try again at some point is this, the assumption that as I'm getting rid of these, these energy taking tasks that they, that they have to be somebody physically in the building. And like I know people that have uh, like a like a role within the business that would be you know we'll blanket call it a retention manager who does not live in the same state as them, because that's a that's an entirely virtual role. That's emails, texts, phone calls, scheduling. So if you're looking to outsource that stuff because they are taking your energy, but not you don't necessarily want to pay somebody you know minimum wage or whatever some sort of hourly wage wage to be there in person like there's a lot of options these days and tim ferris talks the, uh, talks about that at nauseum in four hour work week about trying to figure out how to effectively utilize vas or virtual assistants so that's that's one easy way to do it but i wanted to touch on something i don't when you say these things that take energy or i hate them i don't know that that I don't think you should misconstrue that or we should misconstrue that or don't misinterpret it for not becoming competent at those things, right? So like I love Gary Vee, but one of the things I, I do think many people misinterpret about him is, you know, he's always talking about going all in on your strengths. And I, and I think people, and he does just blatantly say, just ignore the shit you suck at. However, I think that should be taken in context. Like if you hate accounting, you, that just means you shouldn't be an accountant. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't understand a PL and a balance sheet. You know, if you hate doing emails and phone calls, it doesn't mean that you should never do them. It just maybe means that they're systemized so that you do them when and how you want them to. 
so that they give you energy rather than take energy away. So I, I just want to make that clear. It's not you should be stacking skills constantly. It just you just shouldn't be spending the majority or even the minority, the minority of your time doing those things. Yeah. And if you look at it like training as well, you can't avoid your weaknesses forever and expect to improve. Correct. But, you know, you but you, things you can do are like you said, maybe limit the time. So all right, I, I am not very good at handstand push-ups, but I spend 10 minutes twice a week. Like that's not a ton of time, but it's gonna benefit you elsewhere. Yeah. And again, also with the understanding that if if the point of me coaching or me running a business or me being a gym GM or whatever is is growth, then I am gonna have to do some, again, if we'll put it in the context of an athlete, I will have to do some bias in my training, right? I will have to spend more time than I would like to develop a skill so that I can then manage or delegate said skill and do so effectively. So with all of this being said, coaches are, you know, going to get on the verge of burning out, you know, and, and it's different. We don't want to say you have to be coaching seven hours a day. Hey, it might be two hours a day, but you're coaching classes of 30 and, you know, the programming is not ideal. So there are different reasons for you would burn for, for you to burn out, or you have a full-time job, a family, and you're trying to squeeze this in. This once was your passion, and now it's become a job. You know, I've, I've talked to plenty of coaches who, who try to do it for fun, but the box owner quickly tries to give them too many classes. And I was probably very guilty of that back in the day. Like, I could have utilized someone for two hours a week, but they were pretty good. People liked them, and all of a sudden, I put them on for eight hours. So, so what are some things that we can tell them to do? So that scenario specifically, there needs to be over communication there. So we just brought on another coach. We interviewed another person last week. And that's some of the first questions that I ask is what do you consider full time and how frequently do you want to coach? Because if they say I want to coach twice a week, immediately that doesn't work for me specifically. So this is not going to be a match. If they say they want to work 40 hours a week, then, the, then there's follow-on questions like, okay, what does that mean? Is that 20 hours of classes and 15 hours of PT and then maybe another five of small group training? And then we start to have that conversation so I can try to wrap my brain around what is a lot because there's ways to mix that up. If, if you're coaching seven you know, standard CrossFit classes a day for five days a week with no kind of breakup in there, like that's going to get exhausting. And, and therefore the product will suffer people's experience will suffer, you know, and ultimately not leading to the best hour of their day. So if there's different ways that you can break that up and, and still coach a 40 hour work week, but not necessarily do it in the same exact setting, that's one way to try to avoid burnout. Yeah. And you know, it's something you said, obviously it all always comes back to providing that best hour of their day, going back to, you know, early episodes, you have to evaluate. I mean, we've, I've left classes, I've left, you and I talked about it, just having integrity, you know, in, in everything we do. I've, you know, we've recorded podcasts that we've not put out because we're like, ah, that wasn't very good. And I think the same has to be said for your classes. Like you have to have the ability to go back and look at it and say, am I giving them the best? They're, they're paying clients, they're our members. Am I doing them a disservice? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one because I'm not sure... Uh, you tell me what you think. I don't sure. 
I don't, I think it's hard to understand that or evaluate yourself on that until you get a little bit more seasoned. My dad used to say this all the time when, when he was coaching, he'd be like, I had a bad game. And, and I never understood that as a player. I'm like, dude, you didn't, you didn't play. Like, I don't know what you're saying. Like I had a great game. I don't know what's going on. Um, but now as a coach, there's definitely classes when I walk out of the gym and I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea what these people pay me. Like that was an abomination. Like what in the hell just happened? Now it happens very rarely these days to the point where they probably don't notice, but I notice. Yeah. And then I think part of that is they, they probably don't notice just like every time we lecture at a seminar, you know, you, you inevitably, like, for example, this past weekend, you guys like good lecture. And I'm kind of like, ah, I did. Okay. I wasn't thrilled with it. They're just, you know, what your expectations are, you know, you know, more so what you did or didn't do because you had that plan going in. So you're right. It probably takes time. And at the end of the day, most people probably don't realize it. Maybe your most seasoned members do like, Hey, Fern was a little off today, Yeah, but you're, but you're right. It's, it's probably not that big of a deal. And honestly, you can curb a lot of that by walking around and giving high fives at the end and saying, you know, something nice about people and they're going to leave in a, in it with a positive state. Yeah. And that goes back to that, that, that episode about empathy is like th- there's ways to mask a bad day or or make up for for maybe running a shitty timeline which is listen may like maybe i didn't teach the snatch as well as i wanted to but man like i was super hyped up today and people were like ready to go and the energy was high and it might not have been the best technical class i've ever run but they had a good time so so going back to some actionable things i love your energy list I, th- I think obviously taking a day or two off, you know, I think we live in a world where it's like hashtag hustle, you know, Gary V. And I know it gets to me some days. If I have a weekend off, there are some Sundays where I'm a lazy turd and don't do anything. And then I feel bad. And I'm like, Hey, that probably wasn't bad for me. That was probably actually good. And I'm going to come back tomorrow stronger. It's like training. Yeah, that happens to me pretty regularly on on the seminar circuit where I'm like, I want to work, I want to work, I want to work. And then I'll maybe go two weekends off. And when I see that gap, I get a little grumpy. But at the end of those two weeks, I don't think ever once have I been upset about it. Usually I'm like, that was timely and I just wasn't aware of it. Um, But this also goes back to the other episode, uh, the Q&A with Donnie. I think somebody asked about open gym too. And... And this is one that we're going through. We're like, look at the look at the hours that you're working. And if there are hours that you can cut because of low attendance, that's just low-hanging fruit on like getting some of your time back. Right. Open gym on Sundays for for instance. That means you're open, let's call it if you're open on Sundays for an open gym, let's say take out holidays, let's randomly say you're open for 345 days out of the year. Like that's a lot. That is an incredible strain. That's 52 extra work days a year, you know, for a handful of folks. So figure out some other way to do that. You know, maybe don't do the open gym and give yourself Sunday to like do your own meal prep. Maybe go in the gym when it's closed and do your own training. Like maybe don't do any of that shit. Maybe go for a walk, you know, so figure out ways to get your time back because you can't be, you can't be everything to everybody. And if people don't get that, then, you know, maybe they're not your best client. Yeah, I think, you know, this, most people get involved in, in fitness or CrossFit because they love it. The, the worst case is you're not doing it 
your, you know, whether it's your nutrition or your, or your training, your members will see that. So you, not only, not only are you getting burned out, you're not taking care of your health and ultimately it's trickling down to your members who are like, who is this guy? Like, I'm not motivated by my coach anymore, but absolutely. You know, it, we're talking to a box owner there. I would say you need to either stay closed on Sundays or make sure you don't have to be there at least one day a week. And it's typically going to be the weekend and you're going to want to go in there, especially if you're new to the box. Like, you know, it might be one of those things where it is your energy booster. Like for me, when I go to the box, my energy goes up, but at the same time, too much of anything, you know, and, and you're, you may feel like you're getting more energy from it, but then you, by the time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday rolls around, you would have been better off without it. Agreed. So, so I like that plan for that. If if you don't have that option, take a week off. And and the truth is, if you're a box owner, we can dive deeper into this. But if you're a box owner and you cannot take a week off, that's a problem. I mean, I'm guilty currently. Currently, I mean, you're in a unique yeah. scenario. I mean, you're opening a a third gym, so it's it's a little different. And you, I mean, but. If you have one box and it's it's been open a year or two, you need to be at a position where you can take a week off. So to give some practical advice there, you know, plan that week off. Uh, be really intentional about the week. So think about when there are certain important things where you need to be there for things like payroll, right? So like, don't take that week off around the first of the month or around the fifteenth. Like, plan that out in a in a block of the month where there's not a ton going on other than normal operations because ideally what you want to tell everybody is don't call me unless the building is burning down i'm the second call right after the fire department or 911 but don't call me yeah and and that's a i remember i mean luckily i was forced to go away very early on in my box ownership and and learned that i'd be okay you know, and it's, it's, it was very stressful, but you come back and you're like, well, no one left, no one died. You just, you know, you, you play all these games in your head and then it's, it was fine. I, so I've kind of done, I've kind of done it three different ways. So when I first started the gym or when we first started the gym, it was part-time. So I wasn't there a lot during the day. And then I was there full-time. And then like all of us, we make reasons for for us to have to be there because we're so great at everything. We're just like, nothing can, nobody can do anything. No one can do this. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, unintentionally, this is kind of a a forcing function, but I'm not at my main facility a ton right now. Like I've been there probably a grand total of an hour and two weeks, maybe a little bit longer. And I don't really like that. It makes me uneasy. And there are some things that are falling through the cracks, nothing major, but the gym's still running. The vast majority of things that need to happen are happening. And it's allowing me to identify things that I need to go back to that earlier question that I can and should hand off so that the gym can thrive. If I'm not there, I need to take a week off. So sometimes you just have to step back and let it burn and watch it burn for a little bit. So you can identify like what, what needs to happen for me to be able to remove myself from certain functions. And that's, super painful to do because as business owners and coaches, we're going to want to stick our hands back in there and fix the problem immediately. So you're going to have to do that exercise and do it with the understanding that do not intervene unless it is something completely catastrophic. Let it unfold. 
it will not be nearly as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah, no, I think that's great because, you know, as you were saying that, what I was thinking is you will find out what the problem is because be it one of your employees or be a member, you know, you all have those nosy members that'll that'll reach out to you and be like, hey, so-and-so is doing, you know, changing the warm-up. And you're like, okay, that doesn't matter. But fine, thanks for telling me. But, and then, you know, the other thing I started thinking about is a lot of box owners open a box to buy themselves a job, basically. And probably, I think that, probably every single one of them. Right. And I, I, I certainly did, you know, it was, it was more so like, okay, now I can train people in my own facility, but if you want to truly run a successful business, you have to be able to step away. And I mean, and, and that's not to say, you know, I pushed it too far. I think I've removed myself from my gym completely by the end of it. And again, going back to that burnout, but what I'm suggesting is you need to have the ability to step away, but hopefully it's still something you care and love about. You know, my, my last affiliate, I was there every other day, but the days I was there, I was excited to be there. Yeah. And that's one of those, if, uh, if you haven't done the perfect day exercise, then, then first I would tell you to do that. Like, what is your perfect day look like? And, and literally, and I don't mean like you're sitting on a beach in Cabo perfect day vacation. I mean, like, what is your, what is your, I mean, that's great, but yeah, don't knock that. that well, so actually, day. actually, if that is your perfect day and you, uh, where was I recently? I think I was in Cookville and there was a guy from Sweden. He owned a gym in Sweden. He lived in Mexico and he went back to his gym like occasionally. And it was funny because he said every time he goes back and he starts to get in there and get classes, like he messes things up. I'm like, of course you do. Like you're not there every day. So if that is your perfect day, then figure out how to do that. However, if that's not your perfect day, then figure out my perfect day means I get up at this time and I eat this breakfast and I do this. I get to the gym by X. I teach this class. I meet with so-and-so. I eat lunch. I do yoga or like whatever that, whatever that is. And then start trying to manipulate your day with systems and people and processes to get to your perfect day. Yeah. And I think, go ahead. No, that's really great. I just wanted to, you know, recap a little bit. I love your, you know, what brings you energy, what doesn't and start to automate, you know, start to actually eliminate, automate, and then delegate, right. In that order, eliminate, automate, delegate. But I like the perfect day exercise. And I had recently done it at our box. And what I was going to say is I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, my true perfect day would be drinking tequila in Cabo. Okay, down the road, how do we get there? But even having one or two perfect days, depending on your schedule, is is okay. You know, for for me, for example, I, I love training jujitsu. So that day looks a little different than the days I don't go because I don't go every day purposefully for my body. So Maybe you have two different perfect days and one includes three classes you coach, one includes two, but at least having that idea. And and like you said, it's not just writing it down. It's like, okay, well, what can I do? If you enjoyed the example you said of taking the 430 yoga at the studio down the road, well, that means you can't be on the calendar for the 430 class. Exactly. If you cannot do that, you're not running a successful business. And I don't want to keep harping on it, but, and, and, and with all that being said, you need to have those periods of time where you grind. If you're listening to this and you're a box owner in the first two years, maybe even three, you have to give up some things. But if you're going to do this forever, 
I mean, the first year I opened the box, it was, I was, I had one other coach and, and that was it. I just coached. I gave up everything. But then eventually you started to gain that life back. Yeah. And I think the, the whole kind of, if the whole premise here is like, you have to start identifying those things and then outlining them and then start setting target goals. No different than if you were an athlete, if I want to snatch 225, where do I start today? Okay. Well, if I can't snatch 135, then I probably need to work on some technique stuff. So maybe I spend six months working on some technique, some position stuff. I start squatting a little bit more frequently and that's going to be a grind. There's going to be a lot of bad days in there. And then I slowly start to get a little bit better and I spend less time on the things that I'm not really good at, like all the accessory work. And then I start moving towards getting a lot more of those full lifts in and start bumping those numbers up. And it's no different in a business. You, yeah, you are going to grind. I think, I think I've heard Ben Bergeron say this about, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but it is a metric just to throw out there that up into 150 members, you should be the only coach. You know, now that sounds exhausting. And I, I think that number is probably a little bit high and it depends on revenue and what your expenses are and all that stuff. But, you know, if I was to look back at it, yeah, I mean, just to save yourself overhead so you can build in a profit margin and then start to pay to remove yourself from some of those things. Like you should keep your overhead as low as possible and you should be coaching a whole hell of a lot of classes with the plan of getting out of that at some point. Yeah. And, you know, and, and one thing I wanted to add on to what I said is, we, with that being said, you have periods of time where that changes, like for you, you know, maybe you want to expand, maybe your full-time coach has a baby, you know, maybe somebody moves, somebody gets hurt. So certainly, but it, I agree with you. I don't know that it's 150, but I think the problem, and it's something we, we also addressed on the Q&A, it's too much. If you have 150 members, four, maybe five classes should support that. My experience with like attendance and everything like that is over the years, on average, something between 40 to 50% of your total member base will show up on a given day. So if you have a right. hundred, you have 150 members, that means you're looking at something to the tune of 60 people are going to show up. Right. So, and, and let's even say half, let's say yeah. half show up any day. Cause I think that's, especially on a Monday or a Saturday, you know, a, you, and then, you know, and again, on Saturday, I would, would run one workout. I would make it possible that it's, you know, like a Murph, some, not every Saturday, but you know, those types of workouts where I don't need a ton of equipment. You just need a pull-up bar, maybe a team workout, but you have your 6am, your noon, your five and six to begin with. You can handle that four hours. If you have 75 people showing up, you know, is it a busy class short, 16 to 18 people, but it, more importantly, you're not burning yourself out. You're, you, and, and we talked about it again on that episode. It's like that energy is going to be high. If you have 16, 18 people in a class, you're the only, you know, you're enjoying it. You have that break in between. You have a 6 a.m. You have nothing from seven to noon, but work on your business, handle your shit. I think that's a, that was the time in my life that I loved owning the box the most. I was fired up. And then you start adding those classes and that's where some of the headaches start to come. Yeah. Cause like it's the, it's this weird spectrum. Like if you have a, a box, like my, like our, our original box that we've had for 10 years, you know, that one, the classes are full. So like if I have a class and this rarely happens with like one person, actually I don't remember the last time it happened, but like 
that for me is just like I'm like oh man especially at a 5 a.m class yeah I'm like this sucks but then on the other end of the spectrum if you're starting a gym from scratch I'm like please somebody show up to this class like give me one person yeah. So I, I've been on both ends of that spectrum where you're just like, you're, you're just like, and the, per, you know, the, per, the one person that shows up, we're like, they're like, I can go home. And I'm like, no, no, you're not going home. You're, you're, doing, yeah, you're getting you're gonna, one hour. You're getting one hour of personal training. Yeah. And, and ideally while you're doing that, you're developing one coach that maybe you have help out here and there, assist you in a busy class a couple of times a week. But that way, when you need to go away, you know, they're available, you know, maybe you have a morning one and an evening one. So preventing burnout, we've given a couple of things, but I like the tangible things so far, you know, writing down your energy, hits and, and misses, writing down your perfect day, taking some time off, anything else you would recommend. I think for me, it ultimately stems back to just your why, you know, in, in the new book, a lot of it is really all about, for me, knowing my why at a very young age and, and letting that guide you. And I'm sure... For you, it's it's similar. You have to remember there are times, uh, you know, I'm going to coach today at three thirty. I'm going to be excited about it, but there are times I go in, I'm tired, I'm busy, you know, I was in the middle of something, and then I go there and I'm like, this is because I want to help these people and I want to make them better and I want them to have fun. And you can get in that mindset pretty quickly. Something else to consider is just in general, like we could put both of these in the same bucket, but like your knowledge and your imagination. So a lot of times from a coaching standpoint, it, it can get really monotonous and you can feel burned out because if we were to evaluate your professional development, it's been stagnant for a long time. So you've not stacked any additional skills onto your coaching skill set, and you've kind of peaked with your ability to help people. Meaning, for instance, if people come in and they've got mobility issues, if you don't have any information or knowledge on mobility and how to start trying to get them to sort that out, then that just becomes a painful thing. They're just like, yeah, you're like, I can't help you, you know, scale appropriately. You know, we'll, we'll agree. That's a shitty answer. Or somebody comes in and they want to work on Olympic lifting or something like that. And you haven't done any sort of professional development and specialty courses in a, an Olympic weightlifting to help try to dial them in. So take a look at, yourself professionally and ask yourself that really hard question of am I bored or am I burnt out because I'm stagnant as a coach and I don't have any more ability to provide value you know like am I am, am I upset or am I super pumped about 5k day at my gym you know if you're super upset it's probably because you've never done running drills like you've never tried to fix people's running on 5k day so Take a real hard, honest look at that and, and just evaluate yourself and say, like, am I stagnant because I haven't put any investment into myself professionally? It's tough because if you are getting that burned out feeling, you're like, the last thing I want to do is go sit at a seminar this weekend. But at the same time, you're right. You have to truly, and, and, and it does go back to my my statement to my buddy Adam when he, you know, I'm like, hey, everybody gets burned out but remember we're doing something fun but i think that's that's part of it if if you've kind of let that fun slip and you forget hey i got into this because i loved helping people and i wanted to learn and grow and it turns out i haven't learned anything in the last two years because i'm so focused on coaching 
that's a challenge too. And it's, you know, and, and for me, a lot of times when I'm feeling burned out, it's not that I'm burned out in the activity I'm doing. It's that I'm not doing the things I love. Yeah. And again, but going back to the energy audit, but from a practical standpoint, you don't have to go to a seminar to do that. Right. Like if I, if I feel like I'm getting stagged in my skills, like shit, man, that's 20 minutes on YouTube. Warmups are a perfect example of that. Like warmups can be the thing that drive most coaches crazy. Like we do the same shit every single day. Like, okay, how many different warmup skills and drills type things can I dial up for something like the kettlebell, right? Or something like double unders or something like rope climbs. That's going to take you, like if you don't have any extra tools in your tool belt with regard to teaching those things like you know my dad always says it's like either you're stupid or you don't give a shit right so like and we can only help you with one of those like if you don't give a shit i can't help you but if you're stupid then we just need to seek out more more information so pull up youtube kettlebell swing warm-ups you're going to get about 150 gabillion different things on there some of which you've probably never seen before so if you haven't done that do that and that just allows you that gets the juices flowing it makes it you get to be a little bit more creative. You're like, Hey guys, we're going to throw the normal warm up out the window today. And we're going to try this today. And some people are going, Oh, that was great. That's amazing. Therefore giving me energy because I was able to give a better product. Yeah. And, and that's all it takes. Sometimes find something new, respark that passion for, for growth, for development and for, for learning. Do you think we've given enough tangible things out there today? I hope so. And it, yeah, I, th- it, I think so. You know, and I think if, if people are listening, it's tough. I think any career that involves giving your energy to other people is hard. And it's not that most of your members are like energy vampires. It's just they're paying you and it's not their job to bring energy. You'll always have, I like to be that person that goes to class that brings energy. And sometimes that looks like distracting the rest of the class because I'm being a lunatic, but you know, I like to bring energy not everybody does. People want to show up. They want to work out. They're there to learn. You know, you're giving it. You have to make sure you're doing things to recharge yourself. You know, unplug, disconnect, take time away from the box, spend time with your wife, your kids, go to yoga. But it, it, it's it's definitely an energy draining job. So I actually, I agree and disagree with what you said there because you can do that same energy on it with people, with your members. So line up all of your members, you know, take top 10, bottom 10, put them on there. And the reality is like the, what, what you might need to do is get rid of 10 members that just, because people, people don't necessarily bring energy and you say that they're not trying to be energy vampires, but some of them are energy vampires. You know, some of them want full access to you 24 hours a day and you can't allow people to have that. You have to tell people like, Hey, listen, don't text me. Like that is my, that's don't text me after this hour. And if you need an email, send it to this email. Don't message me on my personal Facebook page. Cause that's not where I do business. So you're going to have to set some boundaries there. And that's a real easy way, you know, without, without adding or taking anything away is just set boundaries, right? Like you can't text me or call me at all hours of the day. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. I think what I was saying is, if, you know, if you're teaching a typical class, it's like a battery, right? You're going to drain some of that battery. What you're implying and saying, a hundred percent true. 
what happens outside of class is on you to curb that. You, you will, if you're listening to this, you can immediately think of two, two members that Fern's describing. I can think of them from 10 years ago. I had one from two years ago that I think right now, it, I mean, it was just like, the more I gave, the more they took. I, it was just a never ending. It was almost astounding how much this person would take. And it's, it's hard because if someone's doing that, the easiest way to put it is they've got some issues going on. Major issues. You know, and I know people want us to talk about rep shaving. We'll talk about that one day, but it's the same principle. They've got some issues going on. And yeah. you, for both of those scenarios, you want to be there for them. But man, you, you know, it's, you can only be there so far so for so long. Yeah. So that's another way to look at that. And I think, I think it's just super important because, you know, if we look at the landscape of people that get into CrossFit, it's generally people that are givers. Like I want to help people. So we're all very generous with our time, but something I've learned over the years is that there's certain points in your life that is, you know, selflessness requires a certain degree of selfishness. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to give, then sometimes that means not giving. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And if you're giving too much to that one vampire, you have nothing to give to the people that matter and, and more people. Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't know how, you know, maybe we can wrap up with this. Have for me, when I was in a relationship, when I first opened CrossFit, you know, and it lasted a few years beyond that, but it was like, I know I gave nothing to this, you know, to my girlfriend at the time, because I was giving everything away. You know, you, you have been married so long as you've owned a box. So it's probably a little different, but I'm sure you and Jess would attest to the fact that there are times you've come home and like looked each other in the eyes and been like, nodded, I'm going to bed. I mean, that's most nights these days with yeah. two kids starting to know. It's just, listen, there's a, there's a mutual understanding there about like, I just don't have what I would like to give to you right now. Yeah. And it's different. You're married. You have two kids. Like I said, I was, you know, just beginning to date this girl and it was like my, we, we went from, you know, hot and heavy, if you will, to like, I'm so busy and so drained that I can't give you anything. And she stuck around for, for a couple of years, but eventually it was too much. A couple and, of years. Oh yeah. We were together a long time. You know, and I, I think we would have stayed together. It was truly me, but, but at the same time, you know, that wasn't the right way to be. And now, whether it was when I was dating Roz or now married, you, you realize the importance that, you know, this is a job. This is something we're passionate about, but nothing, I'm sure nothing trumps the Fernandez family in your eyes. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. If the, if the box folds, if I lose my job, you know, I'll still have my wife and kids and they're going to love me just as much. I don't know if Logan will, but yeah, she's most, she's indifferent most of the time. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know that I, I love the episodes that we, we have, which seem to be in the majority of them where there's, there's not a whole lot of right and wrong. It's a lot of experience. You know, everyone's different and you have to handle them in, individually and independently of, of what we say, but I, hopefully we give out a few I know if I were a box owner hearing this from two experienced box owners, I'd be like, I'm going to try at least those two drills. Yeah. It, it, and it's normal, right? Like you're, it, you're that's not, a, you're that's not, the nicest thing you've ever said. I wasn't talking to you though. You no, know? but you know, when people listen, that was really, 
I was reading something and it's like, sometimes people think like they're the only ones going through it. Like that was really profound what you just said. I don't yeah. like, to give, I'm not trying to give you a compliment. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take it anyway. <laughs> but no, I, I do think that's important to understand. Like it's normal. Like you're not the only one. Like everybody else is having that. So don't look at everybody's fucking Instagram feed about how great their life is. Like they're going through the same crap that you are. They're just putting on a facade, right? So like you're normal. It's okay to be burnout. That's how business works. The difference between people who are successful long-term and not is the people that have a plan to get rid of that. Nailed it. And we've given you some actionable steps to develop that plan. So another great episode. I think we should keep doing the podcast. We should keep this going, I think. Yeah. I think people should share and subscribe and review us more. I think they should too. And just so everybody knows, obviously you guys don't know this because we do the podcast, but uh, what what episode do we have? 35 dropped today? Uh, This 40 would have been out today. So this is like probably like 45-ish. Okay, so 40. But we have a whole slew of podcasts that we have not put out yet. Oh, yeah. Between, Between the interviews you and I have done, we have about 30 recorded. We have... A more scheduled every week. I mean, I think at this point, some of the episodes that we ha- hadn't put out yet would be like Kelly Starrett, Marcus Philly. Um, I, so many great episodes. Maggie Tencher, Megan Burns, Todd Whitman's going to be on the show. And we're going to get the Smiths on there, you know, Andrea and uh, Chris Smith. So like, yeah, like we're not slowing down is the point, everybody. So like if you have, we're fully committed to this and it's, you know, it's, it's fun. So if you guys are liking it, it is only going to get better. Strap in, strap on. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't that's know how you and Roz roll. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one it is, but yeah, it, it's been going really great. And you know, we're always open to topics coming from you guys. So if you have topics for us, we want, we're happy to chat about it. That's really where this episode came from. And we're going to keep putting that content out there, whether you, subscribe review or not we're committed to this and, and we're excited about it we it was fun to show up this past weekend and have people at the seminar that that listened to us it was fun at the end of the seminar a participant wanted a picture just with us i felt like julie fouché <laughs> i know when you work with the games athletes sometimes they're like they want a picture with just them but it was it was that's always the worst they're like can we get a picture and you get in there and they're like no i meant with just james and i'm yeah. like oh all right, I'll take, be over here. Can you take this picture? <laughs> <laughs> so we hope you've been enjoying it based on the feedback. We know you are, and we've got some cool things coming. So thanks for listening. Have a great week. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. And always, if you have feedback on it, hit us up. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment. Head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to best hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.